healthy things grow, don't they? Healthy things grow. Babies conceived grow. They're born and they continue to grow through proper nutrition. Plants, when given light and water and in proper soil with proper nourishment, they grow. With nourishment in proper setting, they grow. But without it, they wither. I have a picture of a couple of plants to, to show you. On the left is a healthy plant. It's given sunshine. It has, it's in healthy soil. It's being watered. It's being fed the, the proper nutrition. So it, it's able to turn, you know, to use the sun to produce the glucose that it needs for, for energy and for energy of anything that maybe eats it. But that's a healthy plant on the left. It is being properly nourished. On the right, what happened? Either I planted it, Or it's not being nourished. It's not being fed what it needs to be fed. Maybe the soil is, is depleted. It's not being watered. Maybe it's not in the sun. Maybe you accidentally sprayed Roundup on it. It's not completely dead. You can see in the stalk some green. So there's hope if Cindy takes over. There's hope, but it's withered. It's dry. It's parched. If you, put, if you had this leaf in your hand, it would just crunch. Because it's malnourished. And it illustrates what can happen to us, doesn't it? Spiritually, we too wither. When we're our spirits are not fed when we're not making use of what God has provided for our sustenance and growth. We want to be abiding in the vine, abiding in Christ, abiding in His Word. His Spirit taking it and feeding us and transforming us so that we look like, spiritually speaking, the plant on the left and, and not like the one on the right which is withered and dry and feels dead. I've had, and listen, if you've spoken to me about this recently, I'm not speaking directly to you because I have had a lot of people come to me lately and say, I'm struggling. And I press into that and I say, how's your time in the Word? How's your time in fellowship with the Lord? Tell me about Word and prayer. I really haven't been doing that. Well, ding, 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 ding. Not abiding in the Word. Not abiding in Christ. Not, your spirit is not being fed, so you are withering. And you feel the crunchiness of your soul. And you, maybe you go, what's wrong? And I want to tell you today what's wrong. Many of us have a deficient view of salvation. When we talk about somebody being saved, we think about when they came to faith in Christ. I was saved, you might say, 10 years ago, or I was saved five years ago. I was saved yesterday. I was saved today. Praise God. May it be so. When we say things like that, we're only talking about one aspect of our salvation. Our justification. We'll talk more about that in a minute. We're going to review that a little bit. But mainly we're going to talk about growth today. 
But salvation encapsulates everything that God is doing in our lives. He brings us to faith, yes. But He also nurtures us in faith and grows us in grace. And He finishes the work. So when you see the word salvation, you have to ask, how is it being used? Because it's true to say, you have been saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved. Justified, brought to faith, declared righteous, acceptable to God. We often, we just stop there. I've been saved. Check. But we don't have a theology of sanctification, of growth in grace. God, it's a work of grace to bring you to faith, but it's also His work of grace to grow you in grace. And guess what? Philippians 1.6, he finishes the work that he starts. So I want to emphasize for you today the place where we live after coming to faith, the life lived here for Christ, the life of Lord willing, not withered, but growing in grace through the means that he's provided. See, we don't make ourselves acceptable and these means don't, we don't use them so that he'll accept us, right? They're not means of being accepted. They're means of growing because we are accepted. Christ is our acceptance. He's our righteousness. He's our forgiveness. And yet, God sustains and grows us flowing out of the truth that is Christ. Flowing out of His grace. But we, we must, listen, I use these words all the time and I press you on them. You need to know what they mean. You need to know what justification is and what sanctification is, what glorification is, how they differ. Your spiritual health depends on it. Because if you're just focused on, I was saved. And you're just praying, God, I don't know what's going on. Change me. Help me. And he's not doing it. And you're like, I don't know how to do this Christian life. But you're not in the word. And not just individually, incorporately. And I'm preaching to the choir to some extent because you're here today. But we must have a full-orbed view of salvation. It's easy to lose sight of God's overarching purpose of our being transformed into the image of our Savior, of our being set free and delivered from sin, of our growing in grace. See, last week we said salvation requires and flows from the resurrection. And we talked about the resurrection last week and how salvation flows out of that. And today we're spending a little bit of time on what flows out of the resurrection. What has Christ purchased for us? What has He done for us? What does it look like in our lives? So that's what we're going to mine in. And really, I, the reason I, I stopped, we will, go, we will go back to, I know I said this last week, but we will go back to Acts next week. But what grabbed my attention was verse 4 in Romans 6, where it says that He was raised from the dead that we might walk in newness of life. Newness of life has been purchased for us. And that's really what I want us to see. So the main point is, in Christ, we are both reconciled to God, or accepted if you prefer that language, and transformed by God, or grown in grace. But the growth is not automatic. It comes through what He's provided. There are no shortcuts. But grace boasts, Grace both reconciles us and transforms us. Or else it's not true grace. You can't have one without the other. You can't have a ticket to heaven and God just leave you alone for the rest of the time. That's false salvation. Not true salvation. 
So look at, look at when the in, main point in Christ, we are both reconciled to God and transformed by God. First point, this is really review on justification. Okay, God reconciles us. He reconciles us to himself. He does it. He is active. And in this second, in justification, we are not. We just simply trust Christ and receive the salvation he's provided. Romans 3, 23 to 24. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified. See, that's why I want you to know what that word means. It's a biblical word. And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. And that's why Jesus came. He came to live for us. He fulfilled the law and thought, word, and deed. He fulfilled all righteousness for his people. And then he died to pay the penalty for our sin. It goes on later in that text to talk about propitiation, which means he took the wrath that we deserve so that we could have the grace and the blessing that he deserves. We are justified as a gift. You can't earn a gift. You have a birthday party and somebody gives you a gift and you try to pay them for it, they might hit you in the nose. Why? Because it's a gift. You don't have to pay him for it. You don't pay it back. God gives us reconciliation. He gives us salvation. He gives us acceptance as a free gift because Christ has earned it by living for us, by dying for us, and being raised from the grave. I, I, I put this one forward. There's, even, there's some little pamphlets right over there that are Westminster Shorter Catechism. And question 23 and, I mean, 33 and 35 are what is justification and what is sanctification. I encourage you to memorize those. But sanctification is a work of God's grace where He first pardons all our sins. See, he, he wipes our record clean of all of our sin. But that's only half of it. When we come to faith in Jesus, the Spirit unites us to Jesus. And Jesus, because Jesus has paid for our sin, all of our sin is erased from the record before God. But that's only half of salvation and justification. Secondly, He accepts us as righteous only for the righteousness of Christ received by faith alone. So see, our record is not only cleansed from all our sin, Jesus' perfect record is put in its place. We are adopted into His family, and then we're, 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 He begins to grow us at that point. But in, in our justification, when we come to faith, this is what happens when you come to faith in Jesus. God's Spirit working through the Gospel works faith in your heart, and as you trust in Jesus, He unites you to Christ, justifies you, accepts you into His family as His child, and then begins to grow you. All the benefits of redemption that Christ has purchased are applied to us by the Spirit working in us through the Word. And justification is one of those where we are pardoned for all of our sins and accepted as righteous in His sight. Because He died to pay our penalty. Justice is satisfied. What must I do to be saved? Trust in Jesus alone. Not partially Jesus in your attendance in church or your Bible reading or your giving or anything else. None of that will contribute to your being accepted by God. Christ is either 100% or He's no percent. What must I do to go into heaven? 
believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And when I trust, I'm forgiven and cleansed from all of my sin. And I'm clothed in his righteousness and accepted into his family. So a couple of resurrection results. And this is a quick review. And I want, I'm going to give you a memory verse. And I want you to go and remember, memorize the, the question. Remember what justification is. But the resurrection results of justification, a couple of them are we're fully forgiven. Because the penalty has been paid and we're counted righteous because Jesus' righteousness is given to us or credited to us. We're in the courtroom of God. We're being accused. Christ is our advocate and we are on the basis of His death, burial, and resurrection. We are cleansed from all of our sin, clothed in His righteousness. And the judge says, righteous, my child. Free gift. If you would be saved, you will trust in Jesus. And Jesus alone. Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. See, faith is just the instrument. It's just the hand that receives the gift. Nobody thinks they're earning a present when they reach out and take it. There's no merit in reaching out and receiving a present. There's no merit in faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. Look, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, your works, so that no one may boast. By grace, through faith, in Christ, gift of God, not a result of works. That's acceptance. We are accepted by God on the basis of His Son and no other basis. And that's just a quick review. We've talked a lot about that lately. But the second point is grace transforms us. Grace tra not only makes us acceptable, grace transforms us. It changes us. And if, if, if grace doesn't change you, you don't have it. Look at Romans 6, 4. We read that in context a while ago, but just, and, and as we see, when we see people baptized today, that's meant to be a work of grace for them, yes, but for you as well, because you see pictured what happened to you when you came to faith in Christ. When you trusted in Christ, you're united to Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. But he says here in, in Romans 6, 4, we were buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Look what Christ purchased for us. Not only forgiveness and cleansing and acceptance, which is glorious and true, and this flows out of that, but it says He was raised from the dead. In order that, just as He was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Christ purchased for you forgiveness, yes. He purchased for you acceptance, yes. But He also purchased for you growth, transformation, newness of life. He was raised that we might walk in new life. He works by His grace in us so that we walk in new life. Grace changes us. Look at Titus 2, 11 to 14. For the grace of God has appeared. Watch. The grace of God appeared how? In Jesus. <laughs> In flesh. And He died for us. He was buried. He was raised from the grave. And He forgives us. The grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Not just the Jews, but Jew and Gentile. Right? That's what that means there. 
Training us to... Now watch what grace trains us to do. Grace trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Waiting for... Notice where the focus is. Waiting for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. Now watch this. Who gave Himself... It's going to say two things He gave Himself for right here. Who gave Himself for us to one... Redeem us from all lawlessness. How? By paying the price. And two, notice there's a redemption and a purification. He gave Himself to redeem us from all lawlessness. Lawlessness is sin. Breaking God's commandments. Disregarding His law. And to purify for Himself a people for His own possession who are zealous for good works. So yes, He gave Himself to redeem us. And that is glorious. And that's where you know our, we should love Him and be grateful to Him and want to live for Him because of the grace that's ours in Him. That's how the Spirit works. But He didn't just give Himself to redeem us, but also to purify for Himself a people for His own possession who were zealous for good works. So both redemption and purify. Both acceptance and transformation. You see where I'm getting that, right? Because if you have the Holy Spirit within you, He will apply His Word to your heart and grow you to be more and more and more like Jesus. I can only confess my experience. I can't confess yours. But I remember coming to faith in Jesus and thinking, what's going on with me? I mean, the things I used to like to do, which should have landed me in prison. I didn't want to do those anymore. And I still hung out with my friends, but now I was no longer getting sloshed with them. And I wanted them to know about Jesus. And they just thought I'd gotten weird and most of them drifted away. But he not only changed my status before him, he changed my heart. I mean, I went, out, went from hanging out with Coke dealers and stuff to couldn't get enough of this. I almost threw this on you, by the way. It just... Suddenly, Cindy and I have our books in the Bible. Because God, our books, our faces. Our faces in the Bible. Trying to see what this was all about. And He drew us into His Word. He converted us through drawing us into His Word. And then He... That thirst was there. Because he had changed my heart. Now I wanted to know about Christ. I wanted to be with weird people who go to church for some reason. The people that used to just be all over me about my language and everything else. Now I wanted to hang out with them and the language bothered me. I was like, what is going on? Because he not only redeems us, he works to purify us. Let me give you some more resurrection results. And listen, you have to fight to believe these are true. Because the world, the flesh, and the devil want to convince you otherwise. But if you are trusting in Jesus, these things are true of you no matter how you feel. It's not based on how you feel. Some days I feel saved and some days I feel not. and Everything in between. If you are trusting in Jesus, you are a new creation.
The new creation has been brought back into time and you now participate in that. Your old man or old person was crucified with Christ. Yes, we still have remnants of sin that we have to deal with, but we're not two natures. We're not schizophrenic. Therefore, if anyone, it doesn't say if most people that are in Christ are new creations. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 If anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. Why? Because you've been united to Christ. You're in union with Christ. In His death, burial, and resurrection. You're, you're, because of your union with Christ, you've been birthed into new life. Because you're a new creation with a new heart. If anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. You're not just a sinner saved by grace. That's true. But there's way more to the story. And who you are in your essence, if you're trusting in Jesus, is a new creature. And you better own that fact. It's the Word. If anyone's in Christ, he or she is a new creation. You're part of already the new creation. The new heavens, new earth reality has invaded your life. Now you have a new heart that loves God, loves His Word, and wants to live for Him and is frustrated by its sin. If you know Jesus, sin will frustrate you. And you'll want to be free of it. Secondly, Another resurrection result. You're fully empowered. Look at Ephesians 1, 19-20. This is one of the things Paul was praying that the Ephesian believers would get a grip on. He said he wanted them, he prayed that they would know what is the immeasurable greatness of His power toward us who believe. According to the working of His great might that He worked when He raised Christ from the dead. And seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. Catch that. Not only are you a new creation, but the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work in you. You have power for new life in Jesus. He's not left you powerless. You're a new creation with Holy Spirit power. The same power that raised Christ from the dead. And now this is one we really just don't get. This one is like, I don't know about that. Because we look to our experience to see what's true, don't we? And that's why we get caught in it. We're not looking to God's Word to see what's true. We go billy-goating. Yeah, but. Yeah, but. Experience doesn't make anything true. Truth. The Word. It's true. And you're changed when you begin to shift and adopt that as truth instead of your feelings and your experience and your situation. Number three, you are dead to sin's reign. I'll let, I'll let a little bit of the pressure off of you. That's what it means when it's talking about dead to sin. Romans 6, 1 and 2. What shall we say then? Now watch this. Grace does not make us flippant about sin. Grace causes us to take sin seriously, to fight against it, to be frustrated by it, to want to be free of it. 
if you're taking sin lightly, that's not coming from God. Okay? It's not God likes forgiving and I like sinning, so that's a good arrangement. No. Sin causes us, I mean, grace causes us to take sin seriously. Look what Paul, he asks a question. He expects an objection. He's just preached free grace and justification by faith alone. A gift of God. Christ has earned it all. So he anticipates an objection and says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Should we just be flipping about it and God gracious and he gets more glory? This is the strongest possible negative in your Bible in the Greek. By no means. Absolutely not. May genitoi. No, 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 no way. Now watch the question he asked. How can we who died to sin still live in it? And then in verse 3, do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ were baptized into His death? In baptism there, sometimes Scripture speaks of the sign as though it were the thing signified. But water, this, this water has nothing in it that will cleanse you from sin. If y'all are expecting that before you get in this water, let me tell you, it won't do that. The water is a sign of what cleanses you from sin, which is the blood of Christ. It's the washing of renewal. Right? You, you can read in 1 Corinthians 12 that it is the Spirit who baptizes us into the body of Christ. Who unites us to Christ. And this is a sign of that and a promise that all who trust in Christ are cleansed from their sin and accepted as righteous. But notice what this text is saying that, that, that how can we who died to sin, when did we die? We died in Christ. See, this is the beauty of union. We, we water it down till it's not even recognizable when we talk about it's just Jesus in my heart. Well, it's true that by the Spirit living in your heart, Jesus is intimately involved and, and dwelling within you. But union with Christ is so much richer. When you are united to Christ by faith, you are united to His death, burial, and resurrection. And in Christ then, he, you have died to sin's reign. Part of sanctification is that power, that, that rain being broken over you. Definitive sanctification, if you want me to use the term. The rain of sin is broken so that you can grow in grace. Progressive sanctification. But most of the time when we're talking about sanctification, we're talking about the growth element. But you are dead to sin's reign. Sin no longer reigns over you if you're trusting in Christ. Your old person was crucified. You're alive to God in Christ Jesus. So what is the new life that Christ has been raised that we might have? Very simply, it's growing in righteousness. It's a life of growing joyful obedience to Jesus. That's what this life is about. You being transformed into the image of Christ. And in that process, being light and salt for Him. And giving hope to others. I'm not talking about sinless perfection. I've hinted at that already. Sanctification is growth in grace. We'll be perfect when we're glorified when Jesus returns or we die. But it's a life of growing joyful obedience to Jesus. Jesus died to, prov to pro provide both acceptance and transformation. And the first, listen to me, you might be withered right now, but the first step in you being unwithered, being refreshed, is adopting and owning this truth. Without it, you have no shot. 
The things I've said above are true of you. If you're trusting in Jesus, you're born again. And you have to adopt that reality to be able to walk in it. Look at verse 11 in chapter 6. He concludes that little, not concludes, but the end of that section on, on Christ's death and our union with Him. He says in verse 11, now watch the language. So you must, you must. What's that mean? You have to. This is essential. This is an essential element of your growth. You must believe the Word and not your experience. You must believe the Word and not your feelings. You must believe the Word above all else. Look at verse 11. This is Word of God. So you must also consider yourselves two things. Watch it. Look at it. Don't be so discouraged you won't look at it. You must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. If you've been united to Christ, you those both are true of you. Sin's reign over you has been broken. You can never say, the devil made me do it. That's what Wilson used to say. Right? You can never... With every temptation, there's a way of escape. God provides. The Word says. But see, we, we, we get flipping about sin and we don't really take it seriously and it's really just no big deal because we don't own this fact. This is the Word, y'all. This is not Jeff. Be no different if Jesus was standing here Himself talking to you. This is the Word of God. You must consider yourselves dead to sin, one, and alive to God in Christ Jesus if you're going to walk in the new life that is yours. The power of sin over you has been broken if you are a disciple of Jesus. I didn't say you'd be sinlessly perfect. Ephesians 2.10 And listen, I want you to go home and memorize Ephesians 2.8-10 through 10, and it'll put justification and sanctification all together in one verse. Ephesians 2.8-10 through 10. For we are His workmanship, Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. God prepared beforehand. Christ paid for it in the outworking of redemption, in the application of that redemption, both acceptance and transformation, purification, a heart that is zealous for good works because it knows that it is in Christ Jesus, dead to sin and alive to God. It grows in grace of obeying joyfully Jesus. So question number 35, what is sanctification? It's a work, don't miss this, it's a work of God's grace. This is what God's doing in you. It's not you doing it, it's not outside in. God works in us so that we are renewed in the whole person and enabled more and more. Enabled more and more. Hear the growth in that? Enabled more and more to die to sin and to live for righteousness. That's the work God that's doing in everyone that He saves. And if, you know, when we, if we get withered, we get discouraged, and we, we stop believing stuff like this. But it's the truth of the Word of God. Look in Romans 8, 12-14. I'm giving you a lot of verses so you see this is everywhere, not just one place. Romans 8, 12-14. So then brethren, or brothers, brethren there, that word includes... Male and female. So then, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death or mortify. I like the old language, mortify. 
If you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. If the Spirit is, there's no Christian who doesn't have the Holy Spirit. That's earlier in chapter 8. If you're Christ, you have the Spirit. And if the Spirit's in you, He's working in you for growth in grace. When there's absolutely no growth in a plant, what does it mean? It's dead. Now the one we saw had a little bit of green left in it, so there's hope. And there are people who fit all of those categories. There are people who think they're Christians, but they're not. They're dead. And there's no fruit of the Spirit. There's no growth of grace in their lives. They are real Christians who really get discouraged and down in the dumps and get, you know, we can fall as a Christian. I mean, David's an example. We can fall deeply into sin. And we get discouraged and we, we, we just, we kind of get to the place where we almost do this. We just, don't we? We get ready to give up sometimes. But see, what renews us is the same thing that saved us. It's the gospel. And then understanding who we are in Jesus. Without you knowing your identity in Christ, you have no shot. And you won't know your identity in Christ if you're not in this book. John Owen said this. And remember I said mortify means put to death. In, in, in a, I encourage you. It's been updated into modern English. I encourage you to read John Owen's book, The Mortification of Sin in the Life of the Believer. You'll be shocked how gospel-centered it is and how rich and good it is. John Owen says this, Do you mortify? It means are you putting sin, are you working, are you striving, are you mining in God's grace, not in legalism, are you seeking to have sin put to death in your life? Do you mortify? Do you make it your daily work? Be always at it while you live. Cease not a day from this work. Now here we go, and you've heard this probably before. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. Be killing sin or it will be killing you. It will kill your relationships. It will kill your testimony. It will kill your peace. It will kill... So in our justification or being made acceptable, God, we have no work to do. Christ has done it all. We receive it as a free gift. But in our growth in grace, we have work to do, but it's grace work. It's flowing out of the gospel. We believe Jesus paid for all of our sins, that he's our righteousness, that he sacrificed himself for us, that he took the wrath we deserve. Now listen, if that doesn't produce love for Christ and gratitude to Christ and a desire and a passion for Christ, you're not hearing it. So he purchased acceptance to God, but he also purchased growth in grace. Now, I want to I point you to something, and I want you to go back and read uh, 2 Peter 1. But look at verse 5. You'll see that it's not me making that up. You have work to do. In, in 2 Peter 1, 5, 2 Peter, last letter he wrote, it's, it's amazing how Paul in his last letter and Peter in their last letter are pointing us to the Word. Right? To Christ and His Word. But... He says, for this very reason, since everything he said up to this is true, and talking about we have everything necessary for life and godliness in a knowledge of God through his promises, through his word. He says, for this very reason, watch this, make every effort. You, Christian, make every effort to add to your faith virtue and virtue knowledge. Knowledge of what? God. Where does that come from? He's already told us through His precious promises. But our growth comes through us making every effort. Let me ask you a question. If you go down to the Swansboro uh, gym 
and fitness center and you sit in the front and watch people work out, are you going to grow? Well, you are if you sit up there eating french fries. But it's not the kind of growth you want. How do you grow? You get out there and you start using the equipment, making every effort. Join Bobby and I and some others. JC, a few others. Growth is not automatic. See, acceptance is automatic because Christ has achieved it. But that's not all He earned for you. He purchased for you growth. And growth comes through effort. And Peter says, because the gospel is true, now you make every effort to grow. And my question for you is, are you making every effort to grow? Listen, look at me. I, I won't keep you here too much longer. But this is important. We live in a therapeutic culture, don't we? We want somebody to lay us down, speak magic words over us, and fix us. That's not how God works. Sanctification does not happen that way. We want to pray a special prayer. God, I'm struggling. I, I, I'm not in prayer. I'm not being kind to my wife or my husband. I'm not. Fix me. And he says, I have. Are you feeding on the food I've given you? Well, no, just fix me. Sunday's enough. I go hear that nut preach and that ought to be enough. Are you making every effort to grow? Now listen, this is not legalism. It's life. It's new life. Because Christ has paid for our sins and been raised. And I know it's convicting and I know it's frustrating. But I want you to not be withered anymore if you're withered or if you're semi-withered. or Look again. Make every effort. Don't look for somebody to fix you. They just mess you up worse. I'm not saying counselors can't help you with everyday life stuff and things like that. But even a biblical counselor can't fix you. He can lead. You ever heard the old saying, you lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. And if the horse won't drink, there's either something wrong with the water or with the horse. And since the water is the word, there's nothing wrong with the water. There's something wrong with the horse if it's not drinking the water. And it may have forgotten the gospel. Peter says that. If, you short, if these qualities are not yours, then you may have forgotten the gospel. See, transformation is not automatic. And listen, I hear this too. Maybe you think you're unique. You need something else to grow more than the Word. This is good, but this is not enough for me because my, God never thought about anything like me. Well, if you read your Bible, you'll be disabused of that notion. People have gone through very deep waters who are God's people. And I'm again, I'm not saying other things can't help you, you know, get some, some sort of relief in this life, but nothing else will sanctify you. Nothing else will make you like Jesus but this. God's Spirit taking His Word and transforming you. It is sufficient. Look, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness that the man or woman of God, that the man of God might be okay, sort of ready for every good work. Competent. That word there means fully equipped. 
thoroughly equipped for every good work. You want to be a godly father? You need the Word. You want to be a godly husband, wife? You need the Word. You want to be a godly child? You need the Word. You would come to Jesus, but you need the Word. Growth happens through your intake of the Word and nothing else. God's Spirit doesn't work in you except through His Word. Some of y'all don't believe that. Listen to what Jesus said. Please believe Jesus. John 17, 17. Well, you might be saying, why are you so passionate? You look mad. I'm not mad at you. But some of y'all are struggling and you need not be. Some of you are suffering because you're not hiding His Word in your heart. Some of you are struggling and about to not make it because the message of Christ is not dwelling in you richly. And you're wondering what's going on. And I'm telling you, if you are a child of God and you're starving yourself of the Word, you will struggle. Period. If you're tired of being withered, you want to be refreshed, It's found through knowing God through His Word. We don't worship We worship Him. But it's His Word. It's sufficient. It's inspired. It's complete. Nothing wrong with it. The water's good. Sometimes we're just... I don't know. Maybe a horse is not a good example. We're stubborn as a mule. The reason we won't drink. But look what Jesus said. Sanctify them in their feelings. For their feelings are truth. Sanctify them on Twitter. Sanctify them in Facebook. Snapchat, rap chat, whatever other chats are out there. Because we lie to ourselves about the Word. We say, I don't have time. Well, you have time for the things you care about. And if you're a parent, I know that's hard. But you have time. Mark it out. Look what Jesus said. Sanctify them in the truth. Or literally, I think by is a better translation. New American Standard. Sanctify them by the truth. Where's the truth, Jesus? Your Word is truth. He was the incarnate Word. But Jesus had a jot and tittle view of inspiration. Read Matthew chapter 5. He says, sanctify them. Grow them in grace by the Word. You will not grow in grace without the Word. You are not unique and don't need the Word. You've not grown past the Word. You need every day of your life to be hiding His Word in your heart that you might know Him and love Him because of His grace. You'll be learning of His grace and His kindness to you in Christ, His steadfast love. And His commandments then become your joy. I mean, read a book like Ephesians. First three chapters, what God has done for you in Christ. Second three, what He calls you to do based on what He's done for you in Christ. Sanctify that, them in the truth. Your word is truth. Some of, some of you are medical people, so I'm going to give you a checkup this morning. How is your spiritual blood pressure? What are the vital signs of spiritual life? Well, we better mention faith as the first one. We trust in Jesus. We're resting in Him for our salvation, right? Do you believe Jesus died for you? Do you believe Jesus was raised from the grave? Are you trusting in Him and Him alone? Not just for acceptance, but for daily life. How's your faith? You believe the Word. Now here's the second one. What, when people get sick, what happens to their appetite? 
They, a lot of times they lose it, right? When people are dead, what happens to their appetite? It's gone. They don't have one, do they? Now listen, don't run off on me. How is your appetite for God's Word? Think about this physically. If you don't eat for three weeks and you come to me and say, I just don't feel good. I feel weak. I don't have any energy. And I say, what have you been eating? Well, I haven't been eating. I don't usually say this in counseling, but duh. <laughs> or whatever the newest and hippest phrase is or word. If you don't eat, you're going to die. You're especially going to be weak if you don't drink. How is your appetite for God's word? Sometimes with a baby, you have to whet their appetite, right, on something. How's the Spirit working in you to draw you into the Word? Do you enjoy time with God in the Word? Are you reading the Word? Even if you feel dead inside, which real Christians who've done nothing wrong do sometimes. Are you in the Word, trusting that God's at work? Don't first ask, how does this apply to my day? But say, what does it say? What's it teaching me? What's it teaching me about God? What, what, what's it teaching me about myself? Where, what commands are here? What, what theology is here? What do I need to know from this passage? I promise you it'll apply to your day, but this is not just magic daily bullets for you. How is your appetite for the Word? If your appetite for the Word is not there, you're either withered or dead. You're not spiritually healthy. See, the Word is not just for some people. It's not just for preachers and theologians. Paul and you know, the Word commands you to let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, to hide the Word in your heart. It's your health and life. If you have no appetite, listen to me, this is what I want. If you have no appetite for the Word, something is wrong. Listen to it. When you, when you go to the doctor and, and the doctor asks you questions like that and you say, I have no appetite, he checks your pulse and you know, maybe it's high or really low and the blood pressure is out of whack. They don't just say, oh, well, we know what's wrong with you. Go ahead and go away. They try to give you medicine and do something about it and give you things to do. Rewet that appetite in God's Word. He may bring you to faith through it if you don't know Him or He will definitely grow you in grace if you do. But if you don't have an appetite for the Word, there's a problem. How about prayer? How's your time with the Lord? Is grace drawing you into fellowship with your Father who sacrificed His Son for you? See, legalism will kill Bible reading. It'll kill prayer. It'll kill evangelism. It'll kill life. But if, if the gospel is in the forefront of my mind, if I see who Jesus is, what He's done for me, and it produces love in my heart, I want to be intimately in a relationship with Him. I want to know Him. I want to glorify Him because He took hell for me. Now, I don't do that perfectly, but how's your appetite for the Word? How's your appetite for prayer? How are you doing, watered or withered? Psalm 1, remember Psalm 1? Go back and read that again. Look at the blessed life. Be like that. Read it. Memorize it. Meditate on it. Talk about it. Share it. But it's just that, that constant meditation on God's Word that waters the soul. That blesses the life. If you're withered, start over. 
Don't make a legalistic, you know, I got to read so many minutes a day. I got to, I got to pray so many minutes a day. I got to go back to the gospel. Look at Jesus. Read the gospels. Read John. Look at who he is. Look at what he's done for you. Pray to him and ask him to revive and renew you and get in, you know, just stay in the word and he will feed your soul. But you have to start with the gospel and drink deeply of his grace and his free salvation. Listen, if you're trusting in Jesus, look at me. Jesus took hell for you. If that doesn't produce love in your heart for Jesus, something's wrong. Cry out for refreshing and renewal. Listen, here's where we struggle as Americans. We're sort of pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. By the way, try to pick yourself up by your bootstraps. I always thought that was a very weird visual. It really won't work. We want to do this alone. We don't want to tell anybody we're struggling. We don't help for anybody. I'll just figure it out myself. You will wither if that's your, because we're designed to do life in community. Tell somebody else you're struggling. Maybe they can have some good suggestions for you. We're designed to do life in community. Prioritize community. Get in the Word. Well, I don't feel like it. I don't care. God doesn't say, wait till you feel like it and then read the Word. Your train's turned around. The engine's in the back and feelings are pulling it and pushing it and throwing it. We live by the truth. Now, our feelings, we want to feel good, and sometimes we do, and feelings normally will come along after some time. But the, we don't look, don't look at yourself to see if you're going to obey God. Look at Jesus. And love and trust Him. But get in the Word. Feed your spirit systematically, daily. God works through means, not magic. There are no shortcuts. Learn to ride without training wheels. Anybody ever learn to ride with training wheels? And as a kid, did you ever want them to take those off? But they were mean and they took them off. Why? So that you could learn to ride a bicycle. I remember my, my dad took one of them off. Guess which way I went. But it hurt and I learned to not do that. When we're first converted, God puts training wheels on us and things are easier and we expect it to always be that way, but eventually He takes those off. We're expected to lean on Him and trust in Him and believe His Word and grow in grace. So are you making every effort? How about your personal reading, studying, memorizing God's Word? Listen to me, if you go away from this sermon and you don't do this, you are going to stay withered. You can sit, you, well, I won't say that. I don't want you to send your money to bad people. But um, personal reading, study, and memorization, there's no substitute. Group study. Men need to study with men sometimes, and women with women, and children with children. I, we don't put classes on just because we think we ought to. Now, I know you can't come to every class either, and really worship is, you know, the Lord's day, and that's when He expects us to be here. But we're trying to provide all the opportunities we can for you and your children to grow in grace. Take them seriously. Sacrifice for them. We're going to be refreshing that in the fall. Worship. Take the word seriously. Take notes. Discuss it. Ask. This is self-serving. Could be, but I hope it's just word. 
How seriously do you take the word preached? Are you taking notes? Are you doing whatever you can do to remember the word preached? Are you a Berean examining it to see if it's true? Or do you forget it as soon as you walk out that door? That's dishonoring God's word and it's dishonoring God who sacrificed his son for us. Make every effort to know the word. To grow in the word. And like it or not, on the Lord's day when the word is preached, that is the main, my main means of grace. So, we have a few options. I'm really done, so you can relax. If you're not growing, the first option is you're not truly saved. You have no spiritual appetite because you're not saved. I walked the aisle. I shook the preacher's hand. He assured me I was a Christian. If you have no desire for the word, if God's spirit is not bearing the fruit of the spirit in your life, I don't know what that was, but it wasn't salvation. But the door is open. It's a day of grace. You can trust in Jesus today if you're convicted of your sin and need a savior. But listen, if you're withered, you might have just forgotten the gospel and you're trying to do it in your own strength. You might have come out of a legalistic environment where do, 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 do more, try harder, and God will love you. No. You may just need to refresh in the basics of God's grace and out of that pour into restarting in the Word. You may be anchored in His grace, but your concept of salvation is just the acceptance part. You haven't really thought about growth in grace. And I'm encouraging you to think about growth in grace. Life is hard. I get it. Listen. Reading the Bible won't make your troubles go away. That's what we hope. We pray in the morning. We read the Bible so God will make day go good and the car breaks. See, it didn't work. Wasn't meant to do that. Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble. But be of good cheer. I've overcome it for you. You will have to endure many trials. And some of those are long sermons. But I promise I'm about done. Grace will not make your trials go away, but it will enable you to walk through them in faith. Instead of making you bitter, they'll make you better. More like Jesus. But if you're not, if you're not reading, if you're not seeking God, and if this is a coffee table decoration, until the crisis hits, oh God! It's not let go and let God. If it's let go, it's oh God. Okay. But He'll meet you there. And He'll draw you back into His Word. And He'll fuel your faith so that next time the trial hits, you can go through it with less panic, with more faith, seeing Him cash it in for your growth and grace. I'll end where I started. Healthy things grow. If you're not growing, you're not healthy. Spiritually speaking. Are you growing? Yes. Keep feeding. You never graduate. Keep feeding. On Christ. In His Word. No, I'm not growing. Well, get like the plant. Get back in the pot. Get in good soil. Be watered. Don't be the donkey. Be a submissive horse and drink the water. Drink it because you love God and He loves you. Not in order to be loved. Not legalism, but grace. But drink the water of the Word. Pray and ask God to renew you. Get in community with people who will help you to grow in His grace. The soil.
of union, the water of the word, the refreshing daily of the gospel, light of the gospel, community, prayer, word, worship. Trust, listen to me, this is what I'm saying. Trust God and do life his way. Trust God and do life his way. You'll find new strength and growth in grace that Christ has purchased for you. He was raised from the grave in order that you might walk in newness of life. And in him you have died to the reign of sin and you are alive to God. You're forgiven of all of your sin. You're clothed in his righteousness. You are a new creation who's empowered for new life. And he's given you the word of God that you might grow thereby. So go and make every effort to be a fruitful, flourishing vine in his kingdom. Branch that is in union with the vine Christ. I'll end with 2 Peter 3, 17 and 18. Some of the last things he said. You therefore, beloved, knowing this beforehand, take care that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your stability, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus and of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and to the days of eternity. Let's pray. Lord, help us to be free of all legalism. But may your grace, the glory of your gospel, the fact that Jesus has lived for us and died for us and been raised for us, that we too might walk in newness of life in Him, growing in grace, being a fruitful branch for you, not withered, but healthy, Help us, Lord, to grow in grace. Help us to refresh if we need refreshing. Help us to come to faith in Jesus if we just find no spiritual appetite and if we're convicted of our sin and we see that we need a Savior. Help us to come to Jesus. For that your love was demonstrated in sending your Son to be sacrificed for us that we might believe in Him and not perish and have everlasting life. Work in our hearts by your grace to rest in our acceptance, to believe in your strength, to know who we are in Christ, to have a thirst for your word and to be in it, mining it for the nuggets of grace and growth that are there. Help us to believe you, Lord Jesus, and to be sanctified by your truth, which is your word and your spirit applying it to us in your grace. Help us, Lord, to believe you and to walk according to your word and to be light and salt for you. Lord, we give you praise. We ask it and pray it in the holy name of Jesus. Amen.